0: Yeah, I'll take the take the responsibility for that. Oh, I am still zipped up here. That's why this isn't working. Up. Is that better? That's no, better. It's better when it's not zipped over that. I think. Okay. Uh, anyway, so last fall we started going through the book of First Corinthians here at Byfield Parish. Paul. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth in Corinth that he founded that was struggling with a variety of things stuff was not going great in Corinth some of the challenges this local church faced came from the outside world they lived in a very cosmopolitan city filled with individualistic people that were motivated by money. The culture was pagan, idolatry, and sexuality were pressing issues that could not be avoided. The external challenges the Corinthians faced are very similar to the challenges we face today. Issues also existed within the church. There was division and animosity, questions of how worship should be done. In many ways, the struggles inside the church mirrored the struggles outside of the church walls. Paul wrote this letter so that the people who made up the church in Corinth could know how to exist as a Christ-honoring community in an adversarial world. What he has to say in these verses is helpful for us as well. Today, we are going to pick up where we left off just prior to Christmas. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 9. Those verses are printed out in your bulletin for those of you that don't have your own Bibles with you. Hear the word of the Lord. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not merely being human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul, servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Throughout the Bible, whenever God is present, There is order. Disorder is antithetical to God. Division is as well. Throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is concerned about both disorder and division. In the verses we were looking at today, his attention is on the latter. The church in Corinth is divided. This is not okay. Division in the church is an indication that something is amiss. It is evidence that God is not fully present. God alone is the source of unity. He gives the spiritual growth that makes it possible. Those who are spiritually mature will be active workers in bringing about the order God desires. They will be rewarded. God wants a unified church. He works through mature Christians to bring it about. Division in the church is evidence of spiritual immaturity. Paul could not be any more clear in pointing this out to the Corinthians. He is continuing to build on a case he began making at the beginning of this letter. You may remember that the church people he is writing to think that they are pretty awesome. Me, myself, and I is their focus. They boast of how wonderful they are. Some even look down on Paul. They think he is a bit of a hack. Their boasting extends into how advanced the Corinthians think they are spiritually. Apparently, they do have a lot going for them. Paul has already acknowledged they were enriched in all speech and all knowledge and are not lacking And any gift. The problem is that they do not seem to recognize all the blessings they enjoy are from God. Their assumption is that they are just extraordinary. The Corinthians were not spiritually advanced when Paul initially taught them. They were infants in Christ. He had to spoon feed them the truths of Jesus that is what they could handle Paul writes I fed you with milk not solid food for you were not ready for my kids are still young enough for me to remember what it is like to try to feed a baby solid food when they are not quite ready I say this with a lot of love, with with so much love, but babies are just not very clever. Their initial reactions to solid food vary. Some don't like it and they cry when you try to feed them. Others like it a lot and as you're trying to feed them, they're grabbing the spoon and tearing it out of your hand. They spit up as much as they consume, These feedings, they take a ridiculous amount of time and a lot of patience. By the time it is over, the baby normally has as much food on their face and on their hands and their chubby little neck folds as they have in their stomach. Paul's frustration is that the people that make up this church in Corinth have not matured past this point. Even now, they are not ready. Paul points out they are babies still. The Corinthians would have taken this as the insult it was intended to be. Paul, they think they are spiritually mature. Paul wants them to know they are not. They are babies. The evidence he points to is that the Corinthians are divided. Some follow Paul, some follow Apollos. Their divisions reflect immature human patterns of thought, not divine. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? This is the question that Paul asks the Corinthians it is an equally relevant question for the church today. I don't think I've ever heard anyone in a church argue over whether they follow Paul or Apollos. I have seen plenty of churches with competing factions. One group will follow a deacon, elder, or some other lay leader that has been in the church for a long time while another group affiliates with a staff member, whether it be the pastor, music director, or youth staff. Division in the church is always a problem. It is an indicator that human thoughts and emotions are taking precedence over God. Whenever disunity happens, it should be a cause of concern. This doesn't mean division is never necessary. Sometimes division is over the basic truths of Christianity. I am sure that there were those in the Corinthian church who felt Paul was the one causing disunity by calling them spiritual babies. Churches cannot accept division as normal. We must figure out what immaturity is its source. We have to take it as seriously as Paul does. Here at Byfield, we must ask ourselves what division exists among us and try to determine the reason for it. Recalling divisions is not really all that hard anybody who has participated in the life of this church at more than surface level can remember situations that have been acrimonious most of the disagreements that happen in churches are not over theological essentials they are over how much value we place on different things Let me give you an example of how slightly differing values can lead to division. Byfield exists to make disciples. That is our mission. That's not really up for debate. We would all agree with that. Making disciples includes evangelism and helping those who have become Christians to grow in their faith. Okay, so far, so good. We're all basically on the same page. A point of friction that often pops up in churches is that some place more value on evangelism, while others place more value on helping Christians mature in their faith. When a situation arises that the church has to make a decision on, often Christians who share the belief the church should focus on making disciples find themselves differing on what that means because what they value under the discipleship umbrella, whether it be converting non-believers or maturing Christians, varies slightly. Working through these disagreements is what is hard. We easily confuse our values with absolute truths. Oftentimes, our values are just our own preferences. Part of spiritual maturity is being able to discern the difference between what is a non negotiable truth, what is a value, and what is just a personal preference. Babies cannot tell the difference between truth, values, and preference. All a baby knows is what they want at that moment. That is their ultimate truth. And it is the same with immature believers. Even good faith disagreements based on slightly differing values can turn into divisions. When a spiritually immature person within the church doesn't get what they want, what do they do? They act like a baby. They throw a tantrum. They pout. They try to hurt others or they scheme to get their way. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been guilty of this at some point. We're not pointing fingers here. This is how humans act apart from God. We act like babies. Unity in the church is evidence of spiritual maturity. No human can bring about spiritual maturity in themselves or others. Paul asks, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? By themselves, they are nothing. They are fallible men with their own thoughts desires. They are not people that anyone should be following. If Paul cannot be the factor that matures people, nobody else can be either. Paul authored 28% of the New Testament. None of us has ever written a word that anybody will care about 100 years after our death christians can only act as servants doing what god has assigned we are a means god uses to accomplish his purposes this is important just because no person can bring about maturity apart from god doesn't mean we don't have an important role to play god assigns to each believer responsibilities to accomplish his purposes. You often hear coaches say they need players to be stars in their roles. What this means is that not everyone can be the star. A football team only has one quarterback. There are only so many shots that can be taken in a basketball game. The players that seem the most important, they get celebrated. However, for a team to succeed, everyone has to play well, everyone has to do their role. The left guard on a football team has to do his job exceptionally well if the quarterback is going to complete a pass. Christians sometimes fall into this trap of thinking that the reason spiritual maturity is lacking is that a church needs a star player. Normally, this means a pastor that can knock everyone's socks off with a sermon. This misdiagnoses the problem. Yes, God works through sermon. But he also works through music, hospitality, Bible studies, praying, taking meals, community outreach, and many other ways. More often than not, the issue in churches is that those individuals that make up the church are not doing what God has made possible for them. God has empowered each of us so that we can play our part in maturing one another. This is just one of the problems with people saying they don't need to be a part of a church to be a Christian. Every Christian has a role to play. Isolated Christians cannot do what God asks. This impacts not just that person, but others as well. Spiritual maturity is impossible. Spiritual maturity is impossible possible outside of Christian community God gives the spiritual growth that makes unity possible He knew what the Corinthians needed He sent Paul to them first Paul planted he did the tough work of evangelism Apollos watered he pastored this congregation he helped them mature in their faith. God was at work through both Paul and Apollos. He used both. Their individual efforts had an impact because God worked through them. The Corinthians need to understand God is still at work in their midst. He wants to use each of them to mature each other. He wants to use everyone here to in the same way, to God goes the glory. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, Paul tells us. This kind of seems to go against what I just said. I thought, I thought God worked through individuals. He certainly does. The point here is is that god deserves all the credit it is only god who gives the growth he does so through us what we have no ability to accomplish for ourselves or others god does through us despite the fact that we can do nothing apart from god he is generous with us each will receive his wages according to his labor. At times, being a fellow worker with God is unpleasant. It's unpleasant. It is labor. I don't imagine Paul enjoyed writing this letter to the Corinthians. I don't imagine he enjoyed it. It's like, you know what I need to do today? I need to write a letter to these people Who kind of think I'm an idiot. That's gonna be fun. I'm sure he would have rather been doing something different. Anyone who thinks being a fellow worker with God will always be enjoyable needs to grow up. If you had a friend that came to you and they said, I just quit my job. Oh wow, you you just quit your job. What happened? It just wasn't fun. You'd be like, what? It is no less childish to think that doing what God has called us to do will always be fun and easy. The good news is that God's compensation policy is really generous with us. His resources are unlimited. He doesn't have to worry about any bottom line. There are no stockholders he reports to. He can be as generous as he feels like doing. This world is an owner-operated enterprise. God takes pleasure in being generous with those who do his work. Second Corinthians 9, 6, and 7 says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful gift. Christians should give cheerfully of our lives, just as we should give cheerfully of our money. In Luke 6, Jesus makes the same point in a different way, saying, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put it into your lap. God is generous with us so that we can be generous. When we are generous, he then rewards our generosity. God knows what he has called every person to. He knows what each of us is capable of. <laughs> His expectations are based on his omniscience. Back when I was in high school, I made this really intentional decision to not try academically. Over a four-year period, I did any, any academic work outside of school hours less than ten times. That included tests and projects. I was able to get away with this because my teachers didn't know I was capable of more. I maintained a totally acceptable GPA. Nobody can fool God in this way. He knows what you and I can do. He is the one that has gifted us. We all have a role to play in God's church. He knows how we spend our time. God invested in us so that we could be his fellow workers, his field, his building. God sent Jesus into the world to make it possible for us to work with him. Our lives were purchased out of slavery with Jesus' blood so that we could work freely with God. There's no greater cost that could be paid. As if that wasn't enough, he has further enriched Christians with the Holy Spirit. God has held nothing back. We shouldn't hold anything back from him. By laboring alongside God, we grow out of our spiritual infancy into spiritual maturity. We become less human and more like God. God wants a unified church. He works through Christians to bring it about. Spiritual immaturity gets in the way of God's purposes. Too often, Christians have not grown out of infancy. We throw tantrums when things don't go our way. Jealousy and strife indicate dece- that something is amiss. We must look to God. Through Jesus and the Holy Spirit has made it possible for us to be mature so that we can contribute to the unity that God desires. All we need is available to us through God. For each of us to mature spiritually, we need each other. We need, are God's field, his building. He has empowered Christians to labor alongside him. As we do so, we mature. We help others mature. The result of spiritual maturity is unity. Unity is the product of God's divine action, maturing a community of believers. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we consider your graciousness, your generosity to us, Lord, I pray that it would inspire us to think about what we are supposed to do with that generosity individually and as a community, Lord. I pray that all of us here would grow in spiritual maturity, Lord. That we would not just be babies that are reliant on others for our feeding, Lord, but that we would grow fully up into the gospel, that we would become more like you through the grace that you have allotted to us. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.